Welcome to a new episode of Sunday Sauce. I'm here with uh, Michael Henry, who hopefully will be the next Attorney General of New York State. Welcome to the show, Michael. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to my listeners? Sure. My name is Michael Henry. I am an attorney in private practice with a practice based out of New York City. I'm a commercial litigator. Uh, I was actually first in my family to go to college and basically saw the one-party control of the state along with the government's disastrous response to COVID. And it piqued my interest in, in running uh, to become the next attorney general. And then the other thing I saw was attorney general after attorney general was basically using the office to either one, become the next uh, governor, which Letitia James clearly just failed at, or the second one was to weaponize it against political opponents. And I just thought to myself that um, I'd be the right person and to restore competency, efficiency, and integrity to the office. And here we are now. I'm on the Sunday sauce. Now, now, Michael, <laughs> we're, we're here to talk about something that Democrats and progressives or whatever they want to label themselves these days right. don't want to talk about. And, it, and it, guess what, guys? It's not COVID. We're not, we're not here to talk about COVID. We're, we're <laughs> COVID to death here. No pun intended. We're going to talk about bail reform because mm -hmm. me and Michael are everyday New Yorkers. I grew up in Brooklyn. You're from Astoria, right, Mike? You live there right yeah, now? But yeah, and then before Astoria, I actually lived in Staten Island. For, oh, okay. For, so for I'm our, in Bay Ridge. We're neighbors. Right, so there right you go. neighbors. Verrazano. Verrazano. That's it. That's it. Verizano, <laughs> a couple of Verrazano boys here on the Sunday sauce. So, you know, we're everyday New Yorkers. This city, I mean, let's be honest. It's going to shit. As right. soon as Mayor de Blasio got here, Giuliani cleaned it up. Bloomberg, he pretty much mm -hmm. kept it stable. And then as soon as de Blasio got here, it just totally, total decline in, in quality of life, crimes on the rise. But right. what does an attorney general, how, what kind of influence does he have statewide and citywide on the bail reform law? Because I personally don't know, and I'm sure many people that are going to listen don't know. So can you explain that to us? Right. Well, well, actually, the first thing I want to say is this is what we get for making a Red Sox fan mayor. <laughs> I mean, like, and, like and the, a fake the, Italian, I, by the way, a fake right, Italian. Right. I, right. I'm look. I'm Italian. It, it, it hurts my heart to see this guy because I think he's a clown, and and he he doesn't you know he's talking about the Columbus Day stuff and all that, and oh he god. Just, he, I, first off, I can't forget it. I, he just drives me crazy. Secondly, um, the the people of Boston would never make a Yankees Yankees fan than mayor. So we made a total mistake right off the bat with this guy. Um, but look, bail reform, um, with the attorney general's office, the way the attorney general's office works with uh, law enforcement um, is essentially you work with, um, when it comes to crime and corruption, you're basically dealing with local district attorneys. Many times you get a special order to go in to handle these issues. Uh, the way that I, as a candidate, and also as a, an attorney general, the, the main thing I would seek to do early on is to not only highlight how bail, bad bail reform is, I would advocate for its repeal. And I would also advocate for electing more uh, Republicans to the state Senate and, and push for that repeal of that law. I, I think it's a horrible law. Um, many people think um, you could just make amendments to it. I don't believe in amending a bad law because it's a bad law with amendments. And then what you have is it becomes convoluted. So how the attorney general um, could, to, could address this issue, it's twofold. One, working with local district attorneys when it comes to combating crime. The second thing would be to, um, to push to get it repealed. Like, like you, you can't sit here and say, we'll work around it, we'll make change. You have to push to get it repealed. And part of that is getting Republicans into the state Senate so you have enough people in there that are willing to get this law, get rid of this law. And then if you want to do criminal justice reforms, because there are noble criminal justice reforms and treatment court programs that actually work, you could do it that way. 
Um, but this bill as it stands, it's not going to be fixed and it's only going to get worse because then they're going to push parole reform and these other issues. So as a candidate, I would already start to push for its repeal before I even got into office. And then when I go into office, it would be the two front, the bully pulpit of the office, along with being able to work with local district attorneys. So where, where did this, this bail reform come from? Who started this whole bail reform nonsense in New York state? Right. I mean, look, it was the far left. I mean, look, there was an issue with cash bail that I, I think that, um, look, for nonviolent offenders, there were some people that were stuck in jail. They couldn't get cash bail. Uh, I understand that argument. The problem is you can't have nonviolent, uh, you can't have very violent people being released on the streets. And that's where this law went too far. Um, look, the Bronx District Attorney's Office, it's a, it's a disaster for the most part. Um, you have kids that were sitting in Rikers Island or people on Rikers Island, they don't even know what they're being charged with. So there were some levels of, I, I, I get the cash bail reform argument. Uh, a lot of attorneys, you know, believed in it for people that are nonviolent offenders, you know, poorer people. But the problem is with the left, like anything else, they go too far. And they push this bill and they push this bill to the point where you have violent offenders being released on minuscule amounts of bail. And this is something that... Um, I think New York made a mistake because um, when it comes to treatment courts and a lot of these programs, like for example, Texas was a state that codified treatment courts into their court system. And they actually closed one of their biggest prisons. Why? Because when they wanted to fix things, what they did was they would create like a veterans treatment court or a drug mm -hmm. treatment court, right? So you would go to this court, you'd be, it's a very strict program, random drug testing. You're, you're in this program reporting on a regular basis for you know 12 months, 16 months, 18 months, you complete the program, your record's cleared and, and you, you get a fresh start, right? Um, Ohio did this, uh, Louisiana did this. It was actually Republican governors that took the lead on this, Rick Perry, John Kasich, uh, you know, Bobby Jindal. Uh, and they started this. In New York, um, we never codified uh, a lot of these treatment courts. Like we have them, but we, we at the time, it was basically a judge would start it and he'd do what he wanted to do. Uh, then what you saw is a lot of these kids that are, are basically like the socialists far left. They wanted to come out here, live their dreams. And they pushed, they started, to, they were the ones that really got bail reform pushed through. And uh, it was a, a bill that's gone way too far. And it's a bill that they're going to expand on. That's the thing people have to realize. Like parole reform is coming next. And if you look at what's in that parole reform bill that Brian Benjamin, our new lieutenant governor, is advocating, it's scary. Um, I also think what we did was we took away, we, we have to have a restoration as to what's right and wrong. I think now what this bill does is it's like, it takes away the consequences of, of crime, right? You get, a, you get caught with an illegal possession of a firearm or you're caught assaulting someone, whatever it is, and you're, you're out of jail the mo five minutes after you're fingerprinted. Right, right. It, it, it just doesn't work. You know? so it's, it's, some it's, some of these crimes are actually quite disgusting that you get released right. for cash spare, yeah. like uh, ha force forcibly touching a minor. You're added. Mm -hmm. You don't. That's disgusting. Uh, you know, a lot of these these crimes are against children. I mean, that's that's really I that's just really added. disturbing. Actually. I have a friend who's a criminal defense attorney who just had an illegal alien that got caught having sex with a 13 year old multiple times. His claim was he didn't know. That's not a defense of statutory rape. He told the guy, you're going to have to serve a couple of years in jail. The guy said, okay. He goes to court. 
the prosecutor's like, oh, there's really nothing we could do. The, the guy was let out on probation. Mm. This is what I'm saying. This is this is craziness. This is okay? craziness. Yeah. If this was a might, if this was another country, that guy would have been took to the town square and and executed. Right. But the the point too is that the defense attorney <laughs> thought he was going to jail. Yeah. That's that's. And, uh, and then, you know, that's the craziness. And I think, look, I mean, I, I don't know how old you are, but like you, like you said, when a lot of these people forgot what a pre-Giuliani New York was like. And I think that's part of the problem, right? right. They, they grew up with the lattes and the, and the, <laughs> they wanted to make the city a giant park right. and all the gentrification. And they forget that there's some pretty bad neighborhoods still in the city. And there's people that have to live in those neighborhoods, right? And, right. and there's people that, the, that these gentrified hipster socialist types, the ones they're hurting are the people that they're claiming they want to protect. Well, because the I'm, people that are the victims are the ones that live in those working class neighborhoods. Right. I mean, I'm only 32 years old, but I grew up okay. in Canarsie before, uh, you know, it was all Italian. And then all of a sudden, right. I don't know what happened. And, you know, in the early 90s, it got started getting really bad. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, so I know the, these neighborhoods now, these, these people, they come from Oregon. They come from Idaho. I don't know where they come from. They want the real New York experience. They move into Bushwick. They move into Brownsville. Like, like, and then, you know, they, they scream defund the police, but then they get robbed. They get raped. They get sexually assaulted. And now, and then they want the police. And then when these criminals, they go to their court hearings, they get let out immediately. And then, but these are the same people who scream bail reform. So I don't understand it. Because they don't understand because the kids that grew up in like, look, if somebody's a, looking to rob somebody in New York, for the most part, they're not going to target you with your accent. They're going to target the kid that's walking around that they could tell is from like Colorado and right. he's, you know, his parents are paying his rent and he's here, you know, riding in the bike lanes. That's the person they're targeting. Right. And, and then these kids, then they, they get, you know, they, they don't understand the backlash of it. Right. Exactly. They're not going to look for the kid with the, the Canarsie accent. That, that's no. just, you know, that's going to be, they want to go for the easy target. And I think a lot of these kids, um, look, they were young, they got indoctrinated, their parents probably moved them here in a lot of instances because they embarrassed them back home. Mm-hmm. And then they moved them here and they're they're pushing to fund the police. Now, the problem with that is, look, in most white neighborhoods, the cops are still around, but in the minority neighborhoods, the cops are just pulling back and they're not responding until they get called. And when they get called, it's because somebody got shot, somebody got stabbed. You, like you're hurting the people in those neighborhoods, right? Right. You're hurting the people that have been here before you were here and you're trying to tell them how to live their lives. And you see it because I can't tell you how many mothers, African-American mothers I've met since I've been campaigning, telling me the kid got killed. Uh, I believe it. Assaulted, I believe and it. And they're pissed off. Well, and, listen. And, and it's the, a problem. The worst thing DeBozo did was take away mm-hmm. the anti-crime unit because what people don't understand is Uniform police officers, because I'm FDNY EMS, right? So uniform, okay. uniform police officers, we work with them closely. They they are there to deter crime, but anti-crime is there to prevent crime. So when crimes are happening, anti-crime is undercover to prevent the crime. So when you get rid of anti-crime and then they're in these bad neighborhoods, crimes are just happening. Someone's getting sexually assaulted, someone's getting robbed. No anti-crime policemen. All these crimes will just go on, and there's no gonna, nobody there to stop it. So these criminals know this, especially when you announce it on national TV that the right. anti-crime unit is disbanded. So these guys know what anti-crime is. They're not stupid. So right. it's a free-for-all. 
It's it's like we tell the Taliban when we're leaving, like what Joe Biden did. Hey, mm-hmm. we're leaving at this and at, at this date. So, you know, you guys could just do whatever you please, pretty much, you know. How about this? <laughs> if you keep treating cops bad, do you ever do people ever stop and think the kind of people you're gonna have becoming cops? You're gonna have people becoming cops that can't get any other kind of job because nobody that's a good person is gonna want to be a cop. Right. And you want to talk about corruption? Then you want oh, to talk about that. Come on. Then you want to talk. You'll you'll have the worst of the worst becoming cops. Right. So and, and me, that's a problem. So I got statistics here actually. I mm-hmm. actually just pulled them up from uh from January 2021 all the way to 12/5/2021. I know Mayor de Blasio, he likes to sit on his little podium and eat a Shake Shack every week and talk about how crime is down. But let me read you some numbers, and I want people to really listen to these numbers because they're very disturbing. The most disturbing, actually, is felling assault, but I'll get to that last. So overall crimes in the whole city for the year of 2021 is up 4%. Robbery is up 4.5%. Rape is up 2%. Shootings are only up 0.5%, which was actually surprising to me because I thought that would be way more. Mm-hmm. Uh, murders are up. And by the way, people, this is directly from CompStat, the official NYPD. Um, this is what they know of, by the way. This is what they found. This is this is documented. If there's undocumented murders and shootings. We don't know about this. Murders are up 1.4, but felony assault is up 9.1%. And that's scary because these mm-hmm. guys know if they assault somebody, they just get out of jail. They don't go to jail. It's just, right. okay, that's it. Right? Am I right, Michael? No fear of consequence. Exactly. If, it, if you know you can get away with something, it's like if you know you can go into a store and they shoplift, why are you going to walk to the register and pay if you're, a, if you're a criminal by nature, right? right? That's part of the problem. There's no fear of consequence. There's no, right, there's no uh, difference between right and wrong. There's, like All this stuff has to be restored. And honestly, I don't even think it's a Republican or a Democrat issue. I, I think it's really something where there's a lot of Democrats that are fed up with this, right? There's a lot of right. working class Democrats that voted for Giuliani and, and Bloomberg. And, and I think people are just fed up with this. And I think now the narrative has changed. We're on the right side of this. I believe we're on the right side of this. But we have to push ahead. And my only concern is sometimes Republicans don't like to get engaged into these fights. Like sometimes they'll be more comfortable fighting with another Republican than mm-hmm. they are a Democrat. And, and I think that everybody's gotten a taste of this. They don't like it and they want change. So this is where we put our foot on the gas and say, you know what, now we got to start running on this, making the promises to people that we're going to repeal it, uh, you know, for state legislatures and the next governor. But, you know, this has to be addressed. I mean, you're going to have a situation where you're not going to... Um, you're going to have a situation where you're not going to have anybody like just doing anything. I mean, you're going to have people that are going to be scared to leave their houses. No, but wait, it's, it's, it's been addressed already by AOC. It said, she said, it's just people oh. who want bread for their families. That's, that's all this is. It has nothing to do with bail reform. No, yeah. oh, no, 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 of course not. Of course not. Uh, yeah. no. But, yeah. she, you know, people, well, <laughs> she, there's no words. I call her fake J-Lo. Yeah, yeah. She's she's, a, she, was, she was recruited to run in a neighborhood she's probably never lived in. She barely has office hours in the neighborhood. Exactly. Okay? She thinks she's a celebrity politician. She brings nothing substantive to the table for the most part. And I call her fake J-Lo because she basically stole the J-Lo riding the six train story to the city. She yeah. never rode the six train. She didn't walk up and down the stairs in the Joker movie. And everybody just sits there and is like, oh, AOC said... You want to know, listen, are there Democrats that I respect what they have to say? Absolutely. Do I agree with Hakeem Jeffries on a lot? 
No, I think Keem Jeffries is a smart guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I have common, I'll probably have common ground with Eric Adams on issues. It's not a Republican or Democrat. Well, issue. Eric Adams but, was a police officer for 30, almost 30 years. So you have, right. you're obviously going to have common ground with him. He, he, he respects the law a little bit. Right. And he doesn't want to get, he doesn't want to be pushed around by the far left. You can right. see it. There's a side of him that doesn't want to be bullied. Right. Um, but look, so there are Democrats uh, in the congressional delegation or it's parts of the city council, Bob Holden, um, who some might say is a Democrat name only. Look, there's good people in the Democrat party too that we could uh, work with or that I respect them, even though I don't agree with them politically. But AOC, I mean, she's just, she's, it's not cute anymore. The whole but it's not, not it's, it's not only AOC, even on a national level, Peter Ducey from Fox News asked mm-hmm. Jen Psaki, little, I call her little red lying hood. He asked her what <laughs> he asked her, what what is going on with these crime surges and these smashing grabs? What what is what's going on? Is it because of defunding the police and bail reforms? She goes, no, people are just upset about the pandemic and they're acting out. She literally said this at a press conference. Like, do, do you believe this? Yeah, no, I don't believe that. I do believe people are upset with the pandemic, but I also think that Joe Biden uh, campaigned that he was going to fix the pandemic. And and I think that we're at a point now where, um, look, they're crushing small businesses in this country in this country, and in this state. Um, I, I think that we need to reevaluate a lot of what we're doing. Uh, that being said, I do not think people are robbing stores because of the pandemic. I think they're robbing stores because they know there's no consequence to what they do. That's, that's correct. It. That's correct. That's that's, that's, that's what that's what we're trying to get the point across here to people. But and the but, other you know. thing is, they say the systematic racism and all this stuff. Oh, At the end of the day, oh, name oh. me a city. Name me a city in this country, a major city that's run by all Democrats. Dem, you know, the Democrat city council, the Democrat mayor, mm-hmm. the Democrat mm-hmm. police commissioner, all this that is effectively run well. Well, There's not one. And then you say Republicans are the reason why. I'm surprised no one labeled you the grand wizard KKK of uh, Queens yet because you're trying to do a bail, uh, trying to take away bail reform. So I'm I'm pretty surprised. I'm not not afraid to have that fight because at the end of the day, I'm comfortable in my own skin. And I think a lot of Republicans get afraid and then their awkwardness or their fear causes it to causes it to look wrong at the end of the day you want to know something you could call me racist at the end of the day you want to say black lives matter explain to me how you stand by why kids are being exposed to lead in legionnaires in public housing explain to you how you stand by as you see t- over 20 kids black kids under the age of 18 that have been murdered this year uh, explain to me how you stand by when kids can't get hot water or heat in the winter in public housing explain to me when you sit by as people can't get access to a quality education explain to me how you sit by as people are sitting in the, in rikers island because they don't even know what they're being charged with because of the dysfunctionality of the Bronx district attorney's office. I'll have these debates all day. I don't, I'm not going to be sit, sit here and, and let some latte liberal try to portray me as anything else. And I think that the media has seen that from me. So they, um, I, I don't know if that line of attack is going to come. I'm sure it will at some point, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to run from it. It's, that's people who know me know my character and I have plenty of people that come out and vouch for me. So if they want to have that as a line of attack, I'm ready for it. I could care less. Wow. Michael Henry, you took the words right out of my mouth. Where can we find you on social media? How do we help you? What can we do for you? Please tell me. Sure. MichaelHenry4AG.com. F the word, F-O-R. Um, uh, Michael Henry 4, the number 4 AG on Twitter. Uh, also, there's uh, Facebook, Michael Henry, F, uh, F-O-R-A-G uh, is my Twitter. 
And um, if anybody can spare a couple bucks, fundraising quarter is ending soon. You can feel free to donate online. And <laughs> also, if you want to reach out, um, you know, all my social media stuff is monitored regularly so people could be in touch with the campaign, sign up for updates, see what we have going on, where we're traveling, where we are in media, um, and, you know, go from there. And um, by the way, um, the Sunday Sauce topic, okay? Yeah. The name Sunday Sauce. Where'd you get that from, your mom? No, actually, you want to, you want to, my brother actually made it. So me and my brother, quick story. I know you got a little time. He actually, we actually started this podcast uh, almost two years ago and it was really, really bad. We were just talking about whatever and whatever. And then um, Lauren, uh, my producer, I actually showed it to her. She's like, yeah, it's pretty bad. And then she uh, fixed it up a little bit. And my brother moved back to New Jersey. So now it's just me doing all this kind of crazy stuff, you know, talking to politicians and whoever and whoever, you know. So now now it's a little bit more structured. Interesting. Interesting. And the whole ragu, Sunday sauce ragu. Well, my last name's really Ragusa, so, but I shortened I, it to ragu. I know, but, so. you know, come on. My mother would kill me if, if she said Sunday sauce with ragu. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. His Trust real me, name I don't eat no jarred sauce, okay? I, I promise. I, I know. <laughs> I, know. I, just, I know. Same thing. I was saying to myself. Like, nah, oh, nah, nah, but nah. It, it, it actually it, it makes sense. And I appreciate the time. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Oh, you well, Michael. I appreciate it, man. You too. Thank, Thank you, so you Michael. Thank Bye-bye. you.